We're going to be in different places in the Bible. Um, the, the one key verse, you know, as we're moving through Colossians, everything recording over there? Good? All right. So we're going through Colossians, and uh, there's a verse that has really stood out to me in the book of Colossians. And that is uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, and it says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Now, if you remember... A while back, I did a sermon on hold the leaven, apply the salt. Don't, don't want any leaven in here, but we do want, we need some salt. Now, there's, there's, a, uh, there's, there's some things that salt does, and we are to be salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are supposed to be that. Each one of us individually and as a group were to be salt and light because the earth is in decay and the world is in darkness and we are supposed to be the people who go out to, to uh, fight that. And what does salt do? Uh, it prevents corruption. But when, you, when you're thinking about that verse and being salt, salt might agitate. It may burn the eyes and, or hurt the wound. So when you share the gospel, it may bother people. Don't let that bother you. It's a good sign if you're really irritating somebody with the salt. But the salt also is to bring out, what does salt do naturally when you just think of just salt that you would add to your food? It brings out the flavor. It, it, uh, and, and we are to speak the Word of God with, with passion. The salt should bring out the passion of the Word. What we, if you really believe in something, you, 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 people will pick that up by the way you talk about it. When you start to talk about something you're really into, people know that you're really into it by the passion that's behind it. So think about this verse that I just shared with you out of Colossians. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Now there's another verse I want you to think about, and it's Proverbs 23, 23, and it says, buy the truth, and I'm talking with money, B-U-Y, buy the truth and sell it not. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. Those things, truth, which if you get some truth, which this truth is the Word of God. That's what I'm getting at. We have a Bible. All of us have a Bible. And the question is, do we open it and look at it and read it and actually follow the directions? Read and 
follow the directions. It is the rule book for life, and we need to cherish it like we, we want to buy it, and don't get rid of it. All right, we're going to turn to First uh, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. That's a doctrinal book. And go to chapter 5. Now, the Word of God is so critically important. You've got to understand that the Word of God, this Bible that we hold dear, is, if you, if you miss that, if you don't have that, if you don't have that answer, if you don't have the salt and light, all of what you need to be speaking comes out of the Bible. Now, the way you live should be directed by what you know about the Bible, the Word of God. Remember, the Word of God enlightens the soul. There are plenty of people from years gone by who have been enlightened by the Word of God and maybe lived by it, but they never got past enlightenment and they died and they went to hell. Lived a good life, maybe lived a prosperous life. They treated their neighbors very well because they were enlightened by just godly living. This country was based on, the laws of the land are based on the Bible and that makes for a better society for everybody. Just plain and simple. But that doesn't save you just by knowing some things about the Bible and living, uh, you know, being unselfish and, and looking uh, to help your neighbor. All those things are great. But we got to understand that the Word of God by itself won't save you. We also have the Spirit of God convicts the soul. The Word of God enlightens the soul. The Spirit of God convicts the soul. And you can even be it to the point of being convicted by, by the Spirit of God and almost make a decision for Jesus and die one day and go to hell. But then there's faith in the Son of God that saves the soul. But you'll never get to a true understanding of what faith is and true belief is if you don't have the Word of God enlightening you and then the Spirit of God convicting you. Just like Mary being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and something happened inside of her, and she brought forth the Savior of the world. The Word of God, as you hear it, and the Holy Spirit that comes in and is showing you the meaning of it, and helping you to get it inside of you, when those things start happening in the womb of your body, your, your sinful state, when that comes together, then there's a conception that happens inside of you because of the Word of God and the Spirit of God coming together inside of you. 
and something miraculous happens. And then you have a faith in the Son of God that does save your soul. All right, First Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to start reading at verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus, who died for us, that whether we, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even also ye do. Even as also ye do. Okay, what you're going to see here is a list of things that you should be doing as members of this church, being part of the body of Christ. That would be a better way to say it. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded. Do we have, we've already had, you know, a little testimony of feeble-mindedness. The older we get, the more feeble-minded we may become. We might have some unruly among us. And we are to warn them, those that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. We are to be a very joyful people because we are children of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. We should be rejoicing. 17, pray without ceasing. Constantly uh, remember people and pray for them as you're doing the things you do during the day. 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 19, quench not the Spirit. So, to throw water on a fire would put it out, right? So be careful when the Spirit is moving not to do things that will uh, just smother it, you know, quench it. Despise not prophesies. Here we go. Prove all things. And how do you do that? By the absolute truth that's in our, in our Bibles. Prove all things, hold fast, that means hang on to, grab a hold of, that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. There might be something that you do that it, you know is not sinful, it's not evil, but does it have the appearance of evil? You don't want to call, bring a bad name to your family, your church family, you don't want to uh, be a bad representative to your heavenly Father, so abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very 
God of peace sanctify you wholly or entirely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you see that in that verse? Did you see spirit, soul, and body? That makes up you as a human being. You as a human being are way different than all other created things that you see running around, animals, fish, birds of the air, all those things. You were created with the spirit, soul, and body. You are, you know, man is a trinity by those three things. We know that our, our one true God is a trinity. Now, our body, you might think of Jesus coming as a human being body. He was flesh that could be, that could be taken and hung on a cross. We have, we, you know the Holy Spirit, and you know the Father is the one who you hurt His heart when you sin, when you don't believe in His Son. So think of the soul. Your soul is where you're able to have emotions, your desires, the things that you set out to do. So think of God the Father as the soul who took it upon Himself to send out the servant, the Holy Spirit, who sent His Son to a lost and hurting people in this world. He feels and has aspiration like we do. Do you know that we are made in the image of God? Do you know that? Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse, verses 26 and 27. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image. Sounds, sounds like some Trinity doctrine here. God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. That's why we have boats and fishing poles, right? And over the fowl of the air. That's why we have shotguns. Right, Addison? 20 gauge? Kicks real good, don't it? Uh, and over the cattle. That's why we have a grill. And over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Wow. Think of yourself as being made in the image of God Almighty. And he gave you a spirit and a soul and a body. Now, and, and there is a difference between the spirit and the soul. Can you see that? Notice when I said that the Word of God enlightens the soul. The Spirit of God convicts the soul, and faith on the Son of God 
saves the soul. Your soul is what needs saving. And if that doesn't happen, then your body is not going to be resurrected into a spirit. See, your body will be sown as a natural body, your soul body, into the ground, but will be resurrected as a spiritual body. See that see, there's a difference. And, but people, religious people, even preachers, they will uh, make no difference between the two, or they'll say, uh, they'll say spirit when they really should say soul, and they might say soul when they really should say spirit. They don't correctly identify, and we may just use them interchangeably. But I want you to see that there is a difference between the soul and the spirit. Um, Hebrews. I don't know if I marked that. Well, I think I didn't, so I wouldn't go there and read a whole bunch more stuff. Because when I go to Hebrews, I just want to read and read and read. So I wrote the verse down, which is one of my favorites. You'll know when I start reading it. Hebrews 4.12 and this, this sermon is about the Word of God. The Word of God, for the Word of God is quick, or alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and and intents of the heart. Now, with your spirit, you know things. It's your knower. You have a knower. Did you know that? Well, because you have a spirit, you do know that. You have a knower. So note, see, uh, and is a discerner of the thoughts. Your spirit, you can think of things way different than an animal can think. You're different because of the type of spirit you have. And then it says, and the intents of the heart, that's your soul. Your soul has feelings, emotions. That's your soul. See how it's divided this up? It says there's a, there's a sword that can, can divide into your soul and your spirit. And even your joints and the marrow. That's getting deep inside of your body. And is a discerner of the thoughts, which is spirit, and the intents of the heart, which is soul. I also wrote down the uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 44 and 45. It is sown, talking about your soul body, your natural body. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so, so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Now see, you see the parallel? If, if, when you read, it is sown a natural body, and you're wondering, what does that really mean? And then you get to the parallel passage, which is verse 45, it says, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. That gives you some clarification on what it's talking about. 
<clears throat> right after uh, being, you know, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. So we have the, the first Adam, which was made a living soul, but then the last Adam, which is Jesus, uh, made a quickening spirit. Because you're going to die and go into the ground, but he is able to raise you up in resurrection a spiritual body. Okay, back to man being a trinity, body, soul, and spirit. Now, I just showed you through Hebrews 4, 12, how there is a difference that must be distinguished. And if you, if you was to get into the Hebrew and the Greek, you will see the differences. But that's getting on up there. We don't need to go there. But I'm telling you, you can look it up if you want to, and you can see that. Um, so the mind, remember I said spirit and knowing, and then the soul where you have affections, desires, and emotions, it's that will. You have a will to survive. That's coming from your soul. All right, here, this is good. Listen to this. Because man is spirit, he is capable of God consciousness, consciousness and of communication with God. Because he is soul, he has self-consciousness. You see that? Because, of, because you have a spirit, you have the ability to be God-conscious. Because you have a soul, you're able to be self-conscious. And because you have a body through all of your senses, you see, you hear, you feel, you're able to have a world consciousness. You live in this world. You are to be salt and light in this earth and world. You need to be conscious of it, and you have a body, and your spirit and your soul reside in your body, and your body goes out and does things. And it could do bad things and sinful things, or it can go out and do good things. The Word of God. Psalm 119 talks about the Word, the judgments, the uh, precepts. It's got all these different ways of saying, maybe even ordinances, commandments. You see it over and over and over again. And in Psalm 119... Verses 29 and uh, verses 129 and 130, and you think, how in the world is there, is there 130 verses? Well, that's nowhere near even the end. You get to 176, you'll come to the end of it. That's a lot of verses. So if anybody ever uh, asks, we're all going to pick a psalm to memorize. Don't pick that one. Don't pick that one. I think Psalm 117, I've already claimed that one. So if anybody wants to challenge uh, all of us to uh, memorize a psalm, I've already claimed 117. Y'all pick whatever you want, but I'm claiming that one. There's two verses. Two verses in 117. If you memorize Psalm 119, you're awesome. 
So here's the verses that I want to uh, read to you. It says, there's another word I didn't even say yet, testimonies. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore doeth my soul keep them. You see that? The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. So it will enlighten you. The word of God, his, uh, his testimonies, his judgments, his, his words, his precepts, all of these things are all pointing to just his word which we have in our Bibles. And they, give, they enlighten you. If you want to read about uh, how the, how the uh, Spirit of God convicts, you can write down uh, John chapter 16 and read verses at least 7 through 14, and you will see in the book of John how the Holy Spirit convicts the soul. Now I'm in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, we have the story of Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night. And said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus, is, it's almost like he's just ignoring him. He's like, yeah, 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 whatever. And he just goes right into saying, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So what does that mean, to be born of water? And then he ends up telling uh, Nicodemus, ends up telling him, aren't you, aren't you a ruler or like a teacher? You're, you're, uh, you should know these things. He, he's kind of criticizing him a little bit that you, uh, thou art a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Nicodemus would have known the story of uh, in Ezekiel, I believe it's chapter 36, where it's talking about, and that might be where you get sprinkling for baptism from. It talks about that God is going to sprinkle them to clean them. What does water do for you, for your body? You, you clean yourself with water, right? Now, the Word of God is described as water that cleanses. The actual Word of God. Ephesians, here it is, Ephesians 5.26. It says, Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it that He might cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. Now, there's a lot of, the reason that I, I went to that verse in John 3 is there, there's a lot of people who will say that except a man 
be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And they'll say that's baptism. It's wrong. It doesn't say anything here about being baptized. Nothing whatsoever in John chapter 3. But they'll say, people will tell you, uh, that's what he means right there, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. But what, what did I tell you earlier? I said, the Word of God enlightens the soul. What I just read out of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 26, Christ so loved the church and gave himself for it that he might cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. That's talking about the Word. So you go back to Ezekiel. I don't know why I didn't write that down. It's 37, where the, the dry bones, Ezekiel 37. You don't have to look forward to anything. Just, I'm, I'm, I think I'm remembering right, but you can check me later. So we got Ezekiel 36. You get to the end, and it's talking about uh, how God is going to restore Israel one day. And he talks about the sprinkling of water. And then in 37, the very first part of it, it's talking about that vision that Ezekiel had about the dry bones and how it's the Word of God. So the parallel is sprinkling of water for cleansing and the Word of God, which is going to cleanse them. And Nicodemus should have known this, that, that they were going to be <clears throat> dry bones and God is going to revive them through His Word, Jesus coming one day. Jesus is now here talking to Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John, and he's thinking, this guy's a master of Israel. He should, he should have picked up on this. You must have the Word of God and the Spirit of God come together for you to be born again. See how this is all coming together? I know it's a whole lot of information. I'm coming at you from all different angles. I've confused myself up here. But I hope you see it. And how critical it is that you properly interpret the Word of God. Do not make it to be what you want it to be. And, and unfortunately, there are people who are, they just, they, they get brought up in a certain denomination and that denomination has taken certain things and said, this is what it means, when it doesn't. You know, we just came out of a denomination that was very into sprinkling babies. And I have met many who thought they were part of the kingdom of God, thought they were born again because they got sprinkled with water in the church when they were babies. Where did that come from? Search your Bibles all the way through and show me where you could get that out of the Word of God. And this passage right here is one of the ones they'll use. Being born of water. And they'll go back to... I don't know if you ever got back to... I saw you looking. I didn't know if you actually went to Ezekiel 36. But uh, that sprinkling of water that God talks about. And, it, you know, they, they, so they pull a little something from here and a little something from there, and they make up what they want to do. And do you ever ask yourself, why in the world did they ever have to come up with sprinkling babies to start with? It's because of man-made doctrine. 
of total depravity and that if a little baby, you've got to think back in Augustine's day and Calvin's day, babies died all the time. And they had come up with this doctrine of total depravity to where that would mean a little baby would have to go to hell. They were dirty, rotten little sinners, and if they died as an infant, they were going to hell. And they had to come up with some way to save the little baby. And the sprinkling, the baptism by sprinkling water on their head. Actually, they probably dunked the baby in the water back then. They probably didn't settle for sprinkling. It was dunk them in the water, immersion. <clears throat> so to cover one bad doctrine, you've got to think up of another one. Make up another one to cover yourself. Did you go to Ezekiel 36? Toward the end? Talking about 25, verse 25. Okay. And then the very beginning of 37 talks about the dry bones, right? Okay, dry bones. And, then, and it'll say uh, through the word of God. That's how he's going to save his nation, Israel. So what I, what I really wanted everybody to understand here today, leading up to membership classes coming up next Sunday after church, and it would be nice if everybody was there. There's a lot of people signed up for it, but I want to make sure you understand that going to a membership class, to be a member of a church, does not get you into the body of Christ. But you need to be in the body of Christ. You really should get that part right before you ever become a member of a church. And I don't know if you can find church membership in the Bible, but we're an organization, and membership helps organizations on you know, worldly things. So I, I just want to make sure everybody understands that being a member of the church is not what's important. And I say the church as an organization. But being a member of the church, the body of Christ, is critical. And you get all the directions for that in our new book of discipline called the Bible. So... Next week, I'm going to maybe carry on with this and maybe get into a little bit more of some of these. I think it was Jeremiah who warned how God was very upset with so many so-called prophets saying, and the Lord saith, or the Lord says, yeah, I got to be so careful up here because I am prophesying by speaking what the Bible says. I'm not, I'm not coming up with anything new. God doesn't give me something special, a uh, word that I, that I speak out as, as being a prophet. That No, being a modern-day prophet is just speaking the Word of God, simply. Just, and being able to present it in a way that it sticks, you know? Uh, getting it out there. <clears throat> but... There's a danger that I could teach you something that's not right. And it could be innocent that I just learned from somebody else in the past, but God does not like it when a person is teaching and preaching the Word of God and they're saying this is what God said when it was never what God said. 
That's a very serious offense. And it scares me. So I want everybody to get into the Word of God for themselves because the Word of God will enlighten your soul. And as you are being enlightened, the Holy Spirit's going to come around and convict you of things. Just like uh, Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is, is powerful. It, it, it's quick, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's going to start to get inside of you and to divide those things out you know, it'll, it'll show you what your thoughts, what your thought life is really like, and it's going to show you the intents of your heart. Why do you do what you do? Is it for selfish reasons, or is it truly because you love God? As you're convicted by the Holy Spirit, there's going to there's gonna come up out of you a faith in Jesus Christ that will actually save your soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for everything that you do for us. And Father, we are so thankful for your word. And Father, we as Americans take it for granted that Bibles are everywhere. And Father, sometimes I wonder if it's going to take Bibles being banned and taken away from everybody before people actually want to know what the Word says. Father, there are people in this world that can be put to death by holding Your Word in their hands. Father, I pray that we would be a people here that would understand that we are so privileged to be able to walk around and keep Your Word with us to be able to speak your name out and to not have to look around at who might be wanting to take us out. But Father, we are in a nation that wants to do it their way. People just want to do what's right in their own eyes. And Father, they have set your word aside and they're trying to take it from everybody. And Father, we need to stand up for it. Father, I pray each and every one of us would have a new desire to look into your ways, to allow the Word to enlighten. Father, we would allow the Holy Spirit to convict. And Father, we will have a faith in your Son who shed His blood on the cross that we can have true salvation of our souls. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.